Good afternoon and welcome to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, and Steve. Our goal is to present thought-provoking material and arguments about politics and current events from perspectives ranging from conservative to libertarian in a forum where people can offer their opinions and debate without being yelled at, mocked, or hung up on as is true on so many talk shows today. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for EJS Show on Liberty Block. I am Steve, and I will now turn it over to Jody and Ed to get today's episode started. Go ahead, Ed, you can start. All right, well, thank you, Jody. Uh, this is Ed. Uh, last week, we started off by talking about the differences between conservative and libertarian. And one of the points we discussed was that libertarians believe the law needs to be amoral and conservatives believe that morality is embedded within the law. And I wanted to follow up because I think in thinking about things during the week, I came up with another idea that I think distinguishes the two uh, pretty significantly. Um, and, and that is, I think that they have different standards of value, different ultimate goals. Um, and what I mean by that, well, I'll just concretize it. I think that liber for libertarians, the, the ultimate standard of value is liberty, freedom to do whatever they want, whatever you, whatever the individual wants, so long as it doesn't impinge on the freedom of somebody else to do what that person wants. Um, and for a conservative, the ultimate standard of value, the ultimate goal is life, human life particularly. And there's overlap between the two, obviously, because in most circumstances, liberty is the means by which you advance life. So conservatives and libertarians are going to agree on that. And likewise, I think that oftentimes liberty does enhance life, um, but not 100% of the time and not always. And I think that the differences between the two groups also trace back to a difference in what their ultimate standard of value is. Um, and you'll hear each of them accuse the other of being uh, hypocritical or inconsistent. You know, especially libertarians will say that a conservative isn't, you know, is, in, is, is hypocritical about liberty. And the reality is, Conservative views liberty as a means, not an end. And the, the libertarian views liberty as the end in and of itself. Um, and I think, you know, the conservative, when liberty is, when liberty enhances human life, the conservative is all for it. The conservative is not opposed to liberty, but his ultimate standard of value is, is life. And I think that's a big difference between the two. Um, I'll just let Steve or you, Jody, come back in and give me what you thought on that. Okay. Before I argue with you, Ed, I want to know <laughs> where are you getting your, your definition of libertarian from? My experience dealing with libertarian individuals. Okay. So you're stereotyping. I consider myself <laughs> a libertarian somewhere in between lowercase and uppercase. Yeah. I don't like uppercase libertarian because, like I said before, the spectrum is unbelievable. And I think the uppercase libertarian is associated with people who want to smoke pot and have open borders and almost be anarchists. So when I use the word, I don't make it that official because I don't know what it means officially. I use it to go with your definition as people much more concerned with individual liberty. But not necessarily the way you framed it. So again, I don't know how to officially define libertarians. I think if we got a hundred libertarians on the show, we get a hundred different flavors of them. So that's all I want to say. Well, and that kind of goes along with libertarian, you know, what they mean by liberty. It's whatever they feel like doing, whatever they want. Uh, I don't, I think that having, having them be defined is almost constraining to them in a way. So some of, some of them, but when we get to the topic or one of the topics we'll discuss, the difference will, will uh, show itself. So, okay, go ahead, Jody. No, I, 
Well, I want to say several things. First of all, I think that's the biggest thing that I grapple with is what you just said, Ed. I, in my, in my, when I started my whole journey of who am I and why am I and what does it all mean? That fundamental piece where I believed the small L libertarian part, the classical liberal part where who am I to decide what should and should not be someone else's path? As long as they're the non-aggression, as long as they're not hurting others, why am I just, why, why is it ever my or anybody else's decision? What is their right path? Therefore, for me, I was defining it. I still grapple with it. That's why I love these discussions. But for me, when I look at small L libertarian, I see, I don't care if you're a communist. I really don't. You get together with like-minded communist people and you think it's glory be, go for it. I don't care if you think, you know, free market, um, I can't go to, even if you think anarchy, what you believe to me, as long as it doesn't impose on how I live and it's voluntary, I struggle. I still struggle, even though I find myself moving more and more conservative, I still struggle with that part of, I don't feel it's my place. But I did want to say something also, Ed, your opening, I think was perfect because I was, you know, we were going to talk about masks since it's such an important subject today. And um, I was a critical care nurse. My husband's a physician. Um, but one of the things on this subject, I'm hearing, it's a very moral thing. Now you have the right saying, my body, my choice. And the left saying, no, 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 it's not your body, your choice. So in a way, I see a little bit of them both being a bit hypocritical. And that was something I wanted to engage on the whole, it, are laws supposed to be moral? And why we're seeing both people, both sides contradict themselves on that subject of masks. Just want to add, if we said conservatives and libertarians are on a spectrum, would it be fair to say conservatives are less leery about telling others what to do than libertarians are? Um, I would say yes, conservatives are less leery of telling people what to do, but I, I don't really think that they're on a spectrum. I, the, the point of my intro was I think that they have different goals, different standards of value. The conservative is trying to maximize life and the libertarian is trying to maximize liberty. There's overlap between the two. Liberty is, a, is one of the primary means of enhancing and extending life, uh, but they're not the same goal. So I don't think they're on a spectrum. I think that they just, you know, it's sort of like a Venn diagram where there's a lot of overlap, but there are definitely differences. Okay. Would it be uh, fair to say that you're basing it off of a um you're coming from an intellectual viewpoint where you understand what a conservative is and what a libertarian is. And I'm coming from it as somebody on the street, just the way I see people. So your example is much more philosophical than mine. Let's take your example about, you know, smoking pot and using drugs. You know, for a libertarian, you should be free to do whatever you want. And liberty is the value. Whereas for conservative, a conservative looks at, at, at drug use and says a drug addicted society is not a free society. It's not a, it doesn't enhance human life. Maybe we need to restrict or even prohibit the use of recreational drugs like marijuana or cocaine or heroin because they are not conducive to human life, even though maybe some people think that you should have the freedom to do them. Um, the conservative is motivated by life, whereas the libertarian is motivated by liberty. And I don't think that's a spectrum. I think that's just a different standard. I think they're looking at different things. Um, sometimes and lots of times they're in alignment and they agree, but other times they're just not in alignment. And I don't think that either one of them is being hypocritical. They're just being faithful to their different goals. Okay, um, I want to get back to what you just first. How do you so if if I'm on the left and I see um, 
you know, for abortion, I say my body, my choice. And then I say the opposite, just for that subject, right? I have the right to abort this child, but you don't have the right to not don a mask because it's not really my body, my choice, unless and until I believe it is. How is it not hypocritical is my question. Like, well, from the how left, is that I not mean, intellectual, um, um, I don't, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but I guess it's hypocrisy. How can you harmonize it? I mean, it's, the left is actually really easy to, to understand and harmonize if you understand that everything they do is aimed at destroying America and destroying Western civilization. So they are for abortion because it helps to disintegrate the nuclear family. They are for the masks because it gets the government. It transfers power to the government. Okay. Because huh? it transfers power to the government. Right. Well, and because, right, it transfers power to the government and it, and it attacks individuals and attacks American values. So the consistency for the left, for the liberal, is attacking Western civilization, attacking America, attacking individual rights. They might be inconsistent in the rationalizations they use, but that's just because they're rationalizations. They don't really mean it. They're afraid to say what they really mean because they don't think they can get away with saying the things that they, that they really mean. Although, if you're watching the riots in the last couple of weeks, they've been very straightforward, you know, amazingly straightforward. And, you know, who knows where we're going with that. But um, I don't think that even the left is being hypocritical because their goal is always destroy America, destroy Western civilization. And they will do anything they can to achieve that end. They're very consistent about it. Is that self-professed or just the way we're looking at it from the outside? Because I don't think they would ever say, I'm proud to say I consider myself a libertarian with a small L, big L, whichever L I choose. I think you're proud to say you're a conservative. That's what you stand for. They would never say we stand for destroying America. And I'm talking about regular liberals and I'm not talking about the people on the street burning things down right now because I think they're a separate group. Even the ones that, that are the so-called you know, moderate liberals, the way we have moderate Muslims in the world, you know, I think that the, the so-called moderate liberals, I think to a man would say we want to fundamentally transform the United States of America. And I don't think that they agree with the founding principles. I don't think they agree with the individual rights that you and I as libertarian and conservative are seeking to uphold. Um, whether they want to accept the label or not, they would, they, some of them might argue about the label, but I think most of them are perfectly comfortable saying that America needs to change and needs to be fundamentally changed. Right. Okay, so, so before Barack Hussein Obama, would you have said a moderate liberal wants to fundamentally change America? I think that they did, but I don't, I think Obama gave them the words and I think Obama carried the ball down the field. You know, I mean, to use a football analogy, they might've been at the, at the 40 yard line when Obama came into office and he brought them into the red zone. They're ready to score now. All right. So before I let Jody say something, if you're going to use that analogy, do I have to kneel? No. Okay. Jody, go. God, You don't kneel before um, me. Yes. What was I going to say? Um, so as a, again, I, and I came from the liberal left, and if we look at where I was when I voted for Obama, if you would ask me at that time, do you want to fundamentally change America? I would have said yes without having any freaking clue what that really meant. I would have, uh, in another example, you know, again, I'm in healthcare, but my husband was in healthcare, or is in healthcare, I was, um, and the whole, does Obama want single payer? And I would have said, no. And now looking back, I know, well, yes, it was the mechanism to get there. Or things that he said, I would, oh, he doesn't really mean that. The reason I bring that up is because one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is, you know, I, shall we say, woke up shortly after Obama was in his first term. And we're now 11 years later, correct? However many years later, I can't do math right now, but well, I am shocked that people um, 
aren't waking up. You know, how is it that you love this country and at this point you don't start to worry? And that's when I start to agree with that thinking, I'm not so sure the liberals or the even moderate liberals, if you don't get it at this point, you must sort of really think that America is and the, and the foundation of what it means is not a good thing. Jody, can, can you um, name a public figure who you associate with the moderate liberal of 12 years ago, just so I know who you're talking about? Oh, 12 years ago, a moderate liberal? Pre Obama. Who are we talking? We're not talking about JFK because he'd probably be conservative right. today. Right. Okay. Uh, aside from Obama, because tragically, I thought he was a moderate liberal. Okay. Um, but my view was Bill Clinton would have been a moderate liberal in my mind back then. Um, Honestly, I probably thought most Democrats were moderate liberals. It so would Bill have been Clinton, very rare for me probably to think somebody was extreme. Okay, so Bill Clinton was a moderate liberal who loved America. Yeah, in my, in my mind then, yes. I kind of agree with you, by the way. And Obama was a closet radical liberal who hated America but wanted to present as loving America. Totally. And do you see it that way? Yes. I don't think that Bill Clinton really thought one way or the other about whether he loved or hated America. I think Bill Clinton. Cared about Bill Clinton. Yeah, Bill Clinton, I, I view him as sort of a fret boy who thought becoming president was his way to get laid and get rich. Yeah. And he didn't really care too much one way or the other about what the underlying policies were. Um, I don't think he was motivated by malice towards America the way I think Obama was and right. is. Um but I, don't, I can't say that I think that he was motiv motivated by love for America either. I think that, you know, he was just, a, it was just about his own personal self-aggrandizement. Okay, I'm going to try with another um, definition or spectrum over here. Conservatives love America. A certain group of libertarians don't like America any more than liberals do. And certain libertarians love America as they believe it was founded, but not as it is today. I would agree with all those. Yeah, I, I think a lot of conservatives would fit that ladder. I think a lot of conservatives love America. They don't like what it has become today. Okay, because it's gone too far left. Yeah, it's crazy left in their mind, I think. My mind, for sure, but. That's my sense. Okay, so is conservative, this one's for you, Ed, pretty much the same as federalist when it comes to state rights? Um, I wanna say yes, but you know, there are so many counterexamples where that's not the case. You know, for instance, you know, the, the movement to uh, have a national uh, concealed carry statute passed by Congress. Um, I think that there are times when when the when the conservatives do sometimes try and have national solutions instead of federalist local solutions. Um, but I think, in principle, that's who the, that's what they are. In principle, I do think that they are federalists at heart. Uh, but they're not always faithful to that belief. Okay. So if you want to hit up the mask issue, what would, yeah. okay, let's, let's name a conservative just again. So I know who we're talking about. Would we say Ted Cruz is a conservative? Yes. I would say so. Yeah. Okay. So what do we expect his take to be? on a federal law mandating masks? Why or why not? Well, I think he would oppose it, but I think he also opposes all the local regulations and uh, requirements that, that masks be worn. Um, and a true federalist would say, if you know, the governor of New Jersey wants to, you know, if, the New, Jer if New Jersey wants to have masks, that's up to New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that Cruz is for, Cruz or any other conservative is 
for a federal statute that says they can't. Um, but I think they're pretty outspoken about what's going on in other parts of the country, as I am. I mean, you know, I, I think that the masks are doing more harm than good um, from a political standpoint, not from a health standpoint. But um, I, I just I want to share a line I heard the other day. I'm going to attribute it. There's a gentleman, Chris Maidment, who actually was Elliot's um, campaign manager in New Hampshire. He has a podcast. And the person he was doing the podcast with the other day said something great. I want to give him credit. He said, masks are becoming the leftist MAGA hat. Oh, interesting. I liked it a lot. But Ed, yeah. going with your definition of conservative, shouldn't a conservative then be for legislating everyone wearing a mask? I don't follow how that... Because they're yeah, because that is the best way to save lives, or let's say even if it were the best way to save lives. Right now we have X amount of people dying of COVID. The only way to prevent it is for everyone to wear, forget masks, PPE, the whole thing, gowns, two masks, gloves, everything. Why wouldn't a conservative want to legislate that even on a state level? Well, for one thing, the science is hardly settled. You know, we, you know this is like the global warming argument. They make some arbitrary scientific sounding statement they get some scientists like fauci to parrot it and they they pretend like it's proven and it's not proven okay first of all i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree for two reasons number one let's say hypothetically if it were but number two i don't think anybody argues that full personal protective equipment would not stop this from being transmitted if you had to dress i know when when my boys were doing their uh, medic things, it's 20 minutes to get that stuff on and off. It's a lot of stuff. So I don't think anybody would disagree that that would stop transmission. If conservatives are pro whatever is the, um, saving lives, why wouldn't they legislate that everybody has to wear it if they want to go out? Because you're only looking at so, one side of the coin when you say that. I mean, it's sort of like saying, you know, if you're in favor of saving lives, would you ban automobile use to stop all the accidents that we have on the highways? And the answer is no, you wouldn't because you have to look at the other side of the ledger and see, well, how is human life enhanced by having automobiles on the road? Likewise, how is human life enhanced by allowing people to go back to work, by not necessarily imposing social distancing rules, by allowing restaurants to open, by allowing businesses to open, um, and, and just allowing people to make the decision themselves whether they want to put a mask on or whether they don't want to put a mask on. So I don't think that it follows that uh, just because there's some theoretical or even real benefit to a mask that a conservative would necessarily say, well, that would be a good thing for the legislature to decide. You have to look at the other side. What are the costs? What, you, yeah. know, you know, what's on the other side of the equation? Well, the precautionary principle, and it is when you look only at one side of the equation, you say, for example, in global warming, you say, you look only at the savings of not using fossil fuels, or in masks, you look only at the mitigation for using masks, but you never factor in the other side of the equation, which is for masks, what is the harm of using the mask? or for fossil fuels, what is the harm in not using fossil fuels? It's really important to look at both sides of that equation, and I do agree with that. I think there's science both ways, but I don't think there has, so far that I have seen, been any hard evidence that it's, certainly not that it stops transmission. It may mitigate, but to the degree is interesting. One of the science, one of the, uh, PubMed NIH science papers that I was looking over, um, it was shocking to me because in they used mannequins, they put the masks on. These were these were cloth masks, which is not the surgical mask, it's not the N95, it's a cloth mask that everybody's buying on Amazon right now or their aunt is sewing up for them. And in their finding, they found uh, between five and 80% reduction in transmission, depending in one clock, and between five and 95%. And I'm thinking to myself, basically you're saying you don't know because 
what a huge range. It, it's, it, it's, it's protective between five and 95% is kind of random saying you don't even know that right. it's, it's just so, it is so random. So for me, the science is not, it's, 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 it's not just that, that the science isn't um, certain. It's that it's, it's, it's not okay to not look at the other side of the scientific human economic equation to, to just disregard it. Ed, I agree I with everything. Having a, I'm having a Biden moment. <laughs> I did not hear that in your original definition of conservatism. So is that what you think you said or is that what you said and I missed it? That we're balancing the um, importance of preserving life with quality of life and freedom. Are you asking me? Steve? I'm asking you to clarify, is that what he said or what he thinks he said? Because I didn't hear it. What? Are you asking if Ed said that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think that in, in pursuing the goal of enhancing human life, I, I think that you can't just look at the benefits of a policy without looking at the cost of the policy in deciding whether the policy in fact benefits human life. Like I said, you know, you could, you could look at cars and say how many tens of thousands of people die every year from car accidents. And if that's all you look at, you just look at the cost, you say, well, let's ban automobiles. And then you go and you pat yourself on the back on all the deaths that you avoided, but you don't factor in how many people starve to death because food is now transported by horses. You don't, you don't factor in how many people die because they couldn't get to the hospital in time because there's no more ambulances, right? You know, or doctors can't get around. What, what, Jody? I was just going to say, because what you just said, I really find that is almost a fundamental strategic way to argue everything with the left. If you look at it, you could even take healthcare. They're only looking at the coverage expansion from governments. They never want to look at the costs and consequences of that. You could take, I, I think you could take darn most our, just, you know, topics and bring it down to what you just said, Ed, where it really is about only looking at one part of that discussion. And um, that's what it boils, I think it kind of boils down to a, a literal strategic way to argue something is to ignore a whole bunch of valuable parts of the discussion. Okay, so I greatly appreciate what you said, Jody, but I think it's one of my superheroes, Thomas Sowell, who said okay. recently um, that the question that they never ask on the left is at what cost? And I'm just gonna attribute it to him because- Oh um, yeah. And I think yeah. that's a great point. Okay, and I'm gonna make another difference between libertarians and conservatives, if I can make you agree or not. Let's assume that conservatives are there to enhance life, quality of life with the costs, et cetera. Is there a fundamental difference between conservatives and libertarians over who decides? Conservatives believe the majority yeah, decides through the representatives and libertarians say, it's my decision, my body, my choice. Correct, I think a libertarian would say that the freedom principle would, ma would make that decision an individual decision, whereas the conservative would say, sometimes the government needs to impose a rule that enhances the life, the human life for everybody. Oh boy. So now obviously, you know, I'm going to yell about the sometimes. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's see how loud you can yell. No, but, uh, and how do you decide and who decides the sometimes as well, which is going to get back to drugs and stuff. So, Ed, I am going to anoint you for the next 10 minutes, dictatorial president of the United States. You can take out your pen and your phone and issue any executive order you want. What should be the rule about masks? I don't have enough information to say, but presumptively, the way I see things now, I, I don't know about the health issues, okay? But from a political perspective, I don't, I think that the example, you, the, the analogy you gave about the mask being in the, the MAGA hat for the left is a good one. But for me, I see the mask as the quintessential 
symbol of censorship and suppressing people from speaking and thinking on their own. And so far as it's a political question, I strongly oppose that. I don't agree with forcing people to, to act against their will, especially when, there's, when the science is not settled, when uh, there's science that goes the other way, and not just science, but even anecdotal evidence. Uh, there are places that, that haven't had masks and social distancing where the, the consequences or the, the deaths haven't been any worse than in places that fully locked down. So I'm not convinced just based on the anecdotal evidence that locking people down, putting them in masks, putting them in quarantine necessarily does anything positive. Uh, but if I were to be, I mean, I don't, would never be dictator in the first place, but I would say if I were in that position that you're giving me, I would say I need a hell of a lot more information. And I'm not sure that the information is possible to obtain. Um, I think presumptively I, I'm for individuals making decisions, but I'm not opposed to a group making a decision when the evidence is clear and overwhelming and reasonable people, I don't want to say reasonable people can't disagree on it, but um, when the evidence is sufficiently strong, I, I am okay with the government coming in and making a rule and imposing it on people even when they disagree with it. Okay, parenthetically, to move on to foreign languages. Does anyone know the Arabic word that's translated as submission? Wait, what was the question? The, the Arabic word that translates to submission. Oh. Isn't it Islam? It is Islam. Yes, you win. Ding, ding. Anyway, let's forget that I said that. <laughs> Jody, what do you think about the mask thing? If you, if you could make the rule. Okay, yeah. So I agree with Ed. Um, I don't think the evidence is sufficiently sound to warrant, you know, people losing their freedom. And, and similarly, I'm distressed, not just that the science uh, is rock solid to warrant that, but that it is ignoring what are the costs to the individual for doing that behavior. So that's very distressing to me. I would say similarly, leave it up to the businesses, the um, maybe municipalities and the states if you must, but I prefer letting people decide for themselves. On the one hand, I am certainly not for, unless the science is rock solid, mandating people do it, but I also wouldn't want to prevent them from, from um, engaging them in that if they want to. I have a very deep concern about what I see as a fundamental destruction of the concept of science. So I fear a little bit that I might never believe. Like I, I'm, science has been so damaged um, by the scientists who benefit from certain science, by the politicians, who want the science to go one way or another. I'm, I'm, I'm getting very, very jaded and concerned about even should the day come where there's, you know, a boatload of science that says, wear your mask. It's 100% guaranteed to save your life and others. I'm a little worried that science is becoming so untrustworthy that that might not even be a point that we could get to. Jody, you're an RN, right? Well, I was. I let my uh, license lapse. But you're yes, I was. Yeah, you're still. I'm an LCSW. I let my license. Okay, you're still an RN. Um, so you're familiar with the statement that um, figures don't lie, but liars figure. Yeah. Okay. I am familiar with that. When I when I took research in college, so at the end of the semester, they asked everybody, "What did you learn?" And I loved the course, and I learned a lot. And I said, "I learned not to trust any research." And it didn't make me friends with the professor. Um, <laughs> you probably know that one of my relatives was in research for 40 years. And um, the more I know about it, the less I trust it because it's weighted yeah. and it's skewed. Even before all this, there was a study recently that like a whopping percentage of all medical studies are screwed up. So in general, I've, I'm always jaded about scientific studies. And I'm going to ask another tough question, what I think is a tough question. 
is another difference between the conservatives and libertarians. Now that we've made it a law, let's say in uh, Kansas City, I think they made it the law in the state of Oregon, that you have to wear a mask everywhere. What is now our relationship to the law? I grew up as a strong conservative, so my relationship was to the law was very simple. My father's relationship. It's the law, you follow it. Whereas libertarians have, shall we say, a more casual relationship to the law. So, so what's the question? Is that, is that a fair designation? Is that a fair thing to say? Conservatives almost always will say once it's law, it's the law. I think conservatives would be guided by by Jefferson's counsel and the Declaration of Independence that, you know, governments are not to be changed for transient and and weak causes. I, I've just butchered the language there, but uh, unless the government really oversteps its bounds, I think a conservative says you there are ways to challenge a law, there are ways to get laws changed, and you follow the the procedures within. The standards of due process and you look to change the law. If you get to a point where the law is so oppressive as it was under George III that you need to do a revolution, at that point then I think that they'd be on the same side as the libertarians. But the libertarians think every mistake in law requires a revolution and I don't think, I definitely don't think conservatives think that and I think that the libertarian view on that is inconsistent with human nature. Because human nature is that human beings are not infallible. They will make mistakes, including their government legislators and their government leaders. And when they make mistakes, they have to learn from their mistakes and you have to just fix the mistakes. Um, I don't think that every mistake is an example of slavery and tyranny and, and a government that needs to be overthrown. I think you're talking to the wrong member of my family, to be honest. Um, but, but would you, you're talking to the wrong member of my family, but would you agree that libertarians have a more casual relationship to the law? Absolutely. I not don't the think revolution. I'm not pro revolting over a mass law, but I'd be much more casual about breaking it. That's what I'm saying. Whereas when I was raised as a conservative, if it said stop, I don't care who put the stop sign there and why it's there, you stop because that's the law. Okay, so didn't we say last episode that we, we were talking about the founders uh, and we, we, we decided, because I was thinking, oh, they were libertarian and you guys were thinking they're conservative and they're disruptors, right? That's what America was, America was founded on, disrupting bad government policy, right? So are conservatives instantly compliant? Is that what you were kind of thinking, Steve? Like the sign says stop, so you, you stop. I'm not sure why you asked me. I thought that question was perfect for Ed. Oh, all right, well, Ed, I asked you because you were saying when you grew up as in a conservative home, your dad said, that if the stop sign says stop, you stop. Uh, when I grew up, my understanding of conservative, I guess is from my father who was always military and if there's school, you go. And it doesn't matter if there's 18 feet of snow on the ground, if there's school, you go. And that was his rule about everything. That's the law, you follow it. So that's where I kind of get my definition of conservatism. Um, and I think libertarians are much more lax about it. Well, now Ed may say, if I could put words into his mouth, that yes, you go to school because there's school and it's the law that you have to go to school or else you're truant. But if there's 16 feet of snow in the ground, on the ground, we're going to take that into consideration. Now, I don't know that my father even would have taken that into consideration. A libertarian says, oh, cool, there's an inch of snow on the ground, and I never liked that law anyway, so I'm staying home, come get me. I'm just asking, is that a, a relatively decent definition of the difference between conservatives and libertarians? I mean, again, if you look back at the, at the way De Jefferson wrote the Declaration, he talked about how, you know, the, how the colonists repeatedly petitioned the king to change policies. So on the one hand, yes, they followed the law, but on the other hand, they objected to the law and they tried to get it changed. So I, I, I resist 
the implication that the conservative would just blindly follow the law because I don't think that's what they do. I think that they think that it needs to be changed in a more orderly process that's more consistent with due process. Right, but until then, they follow it blindly. I don't, I think, I disagree with blindly. I don't think they follow it blindly. I think if anybody is being blind, I think it's the libertarian that blindly rebels against any law that's being imposed on him. I don't think the conservative is blindly following laws. Okay. Um, I'm feeling very stereotyped and microaggressed. And by the <laughs> way, Jefferson owned slaves. But anyway, um, so here's a question. So, you know, we have deep roots in, in New Hampshire. That's where Liberty Block is uh, founded and mostly based. So we're friends with one of the representatives up there and you talk about disruptors, he's a disruptor. And he posted yesterday that they had a session of their legislature and it's in some stadium somewhere. And he being quite libertarian was upset that there were armed federal guards it looked like, but they militarily dressed guards checking on who could come in. But he basically said, since according to the New Hampshire constitution, every public session is open to the public and we are closing this to the public. Therefore, everything passed in this session is by definition legal, null and void. Now, what is a true conservative? Um, wait, what did they say? Can you say that again? Okay. They I had a session. Said. They're no longer sitting in the legislature's house in the Capitol. Yep. They moved all the sessions to a, like a big stadium type of a place where everybody can sit 10 feet apart and they're not allowing anyone in from the public. He says, since that directly contradicts the Constitution, therefore, everything they pass is null and void. So if we believe in the law, then we're really stuck with, well, who gets to decide? And similarly, when Pelosi said we can now vote by proxy, which, according to some good conservatives, that's illegal. So we're going to get caught up in this who makes the rules business. Well, I think that a, a conservative would look at that and say, bring a court case and have a judge make your case to a judge and get a judicial order. A libertarian would say, well, I'm going to decide that it's not, that it's not valid. So I'm not going to follow that law. I think that's the difference between the two of them. Okay. That's that's some of what I was been saying. Um, Obviously we all recognize, I always say we all recognize many of us would agree that the courts are extremely fallible and inconsistent and unpredictable. And ever since I read Mark Levin's Men in Black countless years ago, I don't have a lot of respect for what comes out of the courts. And I'm really tired of believing that the courts get to say what's in the Constitution. They could say what well, they you know, say, but it doesn't change what's in the Constitution. So, the and liber- the, okay, the Constitution was supposed to be the supreme law of the land. I think most of us would agree it isn't any longer. I think it is, but, uh, you know, I I was just going to say, I think that libertarians are just as fallible as judges are. And to just say that, well, the libertarian gets to decide things, you know, I'm not comfortable with every individual becoming a vigilante, deciding which law is is valid and which law is invalid. Okay, so, so let's, let's get controversial. I only have a master's degree. Don't have a PhD. I have a constitution that I believe is the supreme law of the land, and it has this little clause in Second Amendment that says, shall not be abridged. Since that's the supreme law of the land, anything that any Supreme Court justice says doesn't make a damn bit of difference because he doesn't get to rewrite the constitution. Now, why is that only a libertarian stance and not a conservative stance? Why don't the conservatives say, we believe in the constitution as supreme law of the land, not the whims of one guy in a row? Well, I think, first of all, most conservatives do think that, but I think that that's ahistorical as far as the, the original framers intended. I think that the Second Amendment was only aimed at the federal government, and it's only since the passage of the 14th Amendment and the court's incorporation doctrine that the Second Amendment has been applied to states and localities. Um, Okay, I'm also, by the way, I'm not going to go through 50 state constitutions, but I'm pretty sure that those rights are in many of the constitutions. So assuming that they are, they're still being abridged. So all I'm saying is if the constitution of the state is the supreme law of the state, 
then why are we bending to judges? And I think conservatives kind of knee-jerk say, well, the judge says that that's it, and the libertarian says that's really nice, but the supreme law of the land is the Constitution. I'm not talking about the libertarians who don't believe in the Constitution. They're a little bit radical for me. I'm willing to love the Constitution. I think it's a brilliant document, but it's been adulterated horribly, which is, by the way, why I'm more libertarian than conservative. We literally wait with bated breath right now every June to find out what the Constitution says. Well, I don't. I mean, I can read the Constitution. I know what I think it says. I, I know what it says to me. Whether the judges agree with me or not, whether they issue a, a ruling that I think is faithful to the text of the Constitution is a different issue. But you know, as I said, all human beings are fallible, judges and libertarians and conservatives alike. And I think there needs to be an orderly process for challenging a law. I think that to just say, I'm not going to follow those laws because I don't agree with them. I mean, that's anarchy. You know, I, I know you've backed away from anarchy and you don't endorse anarchy, but if that's the libertarian position, and honestly, I think it is, I think that the libertarian position collapses to anarchy every time. So basically having, going against the state constitution and moving a legislative session and breaking the constitutional rules, that's not anarchy. I don't think that's anarchy. I think it's error and it's wrong and it's a mistake, but it's not anarchy. Well, it's ignoring the laws. So if it's not anarchy and we pass laws on that basis, what is that? And why am I following illegal laws? Because again, human beings are fallible. You can't, you, you can't just say, well, they made a mistake, so I'm not going to follow them. Making mistakes is part of human nature. It's not a goal. It's not, we don't try and make mistakes. We don't try and maximize the number of mistakes we make. But when a mistake is made, you have to follow human nature and correct mistakes by showing in reality how, how it's a mistake, gathering your evidence, bringing a case. If you lose, you gather more evidence, you bring another case. And that's, that's just the way you have, to you, know, you have to fix things. If you, if you let people just decide on their own whether they're going to follow a law or not, then you don't have law, period. You don't have due process of law. You don't have law. You have individual whim and you have individual against individual. Well, I'm just curious, but you know, because I agree with you, but then I go down the rabbit hole of extreme cases and you think, you know, uh, uh, during the Holocaust and, you know, there were, you know, a thousand Jews in a camp and there were, you know, a hundred guards. Technically, the guards would have been outnumbered, but those thousand Jews would have had to basically trample over what at the time was laws and government to escape. Similarly, telling on your neighbor, you know, it was maybe better seen by law and government to tell on your neighbor who was harboring Jews. At what point, maybe, is that sort of the law is wrong and immoral, and I ignore it. Well, I think, first of all, there's no bright line, okay? There's no, you know, the line is in the same place for everybody, but not every violation of rights is on par with slavery, and not every violation of rights is on par with what the Nazis did. And I think that when the libertarians equate the two, every time, you know, every time we talk about a seatbelt law and they equate it to Nazi rule, the way, you know, you aren't doing that, but the way you make a Nazi analogy, I think that does a disservice and, and it's, it's really insulting. You know, I grew up Jewish. I don't, I find that insulting to the memory of all the people who died at the hands of that evil to equate a seatbelt law to what the Nazis did. Yes, they both violate rights, but I think that you've got to you've got to find the right level of abstraction, and I don't think that those are on the same level of abstraction. I think it's completely different. You know, it, you know, we don't punish murder the same way we punish pickpocketing. Right. And so you know, Ed, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, so you know, I yes, there comes a point. You know, and I go back to what you know what Jefferson wrote in the Declaration that government shouldn't be changed for light and transient causes. 
if you're in a Nazi-like situation or if you're in a slavery situation, that doesn't sound like a light and transient cause to me. That sounds like you have good cause for revolution. I don't think that a, a seatbelt law that gets upheld in the courts, I think that that's a light and transient cause. I don't think that's cause for revolution. I think that's cause for, you know, maybe making an objection or making a case or, you know, say, you know, saying, well, we need to repeal that law, but it's not a, it's not an instance of revolution. And, and, and frankly, you know, as you know, on a, on a more conservative side, you know, why would you not want to wear a seatbelt? I mean, I get it that it should be your choice, but again, the conservative is more likely to look at that and say, it enhances everybody's life for everyone to wear a seatbelt. And there's really no downside to not wearing, you know, there's no upside to not wearing a seatbelt. Um, but if you want well, to- By the individual, there might be. I mean, so? me, if I wear a seatbelt or don't wear a seatbelt, it really harms me not to. It doesn't harm anybody else if I don't wear a seatbelt. Unless we have single-payer healthcare and every choice yeah. I make harms others. But that gets into what I started the show today with about liberty versus life, right? You're saying that it infringes your liberty, and that's mm -hmm. true, and that's what the libertarian would say. But as a conservative, I say, all right, it does enhance, it does restrict your liberty, but it enhances your life. And I'm okay. Honestly, I'm okay with a seatbelt law at this point. Um, I, I get the theoretical restriction, not theory, the actual restriction on your liberty. Um, but I don't see any good reason to not wear a seatbelt. And, okay. and I'm old enough that I remember when seatbelt laws were first enacted. And it was when I was, you know, just starting to drive. And I resented them like crazy. I thought this is ridiculous. You don't get to tell me what to do in my car. But now that I'm older and wiser and more mature, you know, I don't have, I don't have the objection that I had when I was, you know, 18 or 20 years old. You know what, I think this discussion really gets to a crux with me personally on this, these subjects of, is it conservative or libertarianism? Fundamentally, I really believe that life and liberty, that should be the end game. I do believe in the same, what you were saying, I, I believe in both, life and liberty, right? So I want both to be front and center. And so if I'm gonna look at, let's just take, um, uh, the seatbelt law, I, I could take a lot of others, the masks, abortion, um, drug use, and I could say, look, I, I agree that I should be free to not wear my seatbelt. Others should be free to not wear their seatbelt. But it, so if my choice is you are, the, you are to have the freedom to not wear your seatbelt and you're protected, you're, the, the government protects that freedom for you to not wear your seatbelt, or the government's gonna fine you if you don't. And I feel like those, when those become my only choices, this is, I think, what makes me upset with feeling like I don't fit in either, because I agree with the libertarian. You should be free to do it, even if it kills you. But I agree with the conservative. Wait, don't kill yourself, don't do stupid things and die. I want, Ideally, I would prefer people are free to choose not to wear a seatbelt, but, and there's no law that's going to fine them or, or take their car or, but let us have an informed society who by and large truly understands the costs with drugs. Look, you're free to use drugs, but let's, let's really educate people on why that's a bad thing instead of, well, we're going to incarcerate you because that's a bad thing, or abortion. Let us not pretend it's not a very serious problem, but let us not make criminals out of the, those who are doing it. Let's teach people the value of life without mandating or making laws that make them criminals. Because well, I agree with both sides in that. You know, as I started off today, you know, the libertarian says, let's maximize liberty. The conservative says, let's maximize life. Um, oftentimes, but not always, maximizing liberty is the, is the means by which you do maximize life. But, you know, drug use, I don't think maximizes life. I don't either. And 
but and, I don't think making it, criminals out of drug users is really a solution to the problem of drugs minimizing life. It may or may not, but you know, relating back to what I said last week about morality, I think the conservative also understands that you need to have a good and moral people in order to have a free society, in order to enhance life. And, and an educated people. Some, sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's proper and, and necessary for the law to reflect the morality of a good of a good people and for the law to not be amoral and for the law to say no, you know, you shouldn't you can't take drugs or you know, you can't trade with the enemy, which is another, you know, or or maybe not enemy, but even, you know, we were, you know, we may talk about, you know, free trade with China. You know, should, you know, a libertarian would say that the government has no business interposing itself between two people in the United States and China that want to make a trade. And the conservative would say, okay, you're, you're maximizing a liberty interest, but you're harming life as the standard in the United States by allowing China and the Chinese government and the People's Liberation Army, which controls trade, to get its share of the benefits of trade. And what is it going to do with its share of the benefits of trade? Lenin said that the capitalist will sell me the rope that I'll use to hang him. And the libertarian's response, I mean, the libertarian's answer is, as long as I made a profit, good, I'll sell it to him. And the conservative is going to say, no, maybe we need a law, or whether it's a law or social ostracism, depending upon what, what's necessary in the given climate, that, no, you don't. It, it, dollar profits are not the only thing that matter there. And uh, again, the conservative is putting a moral component into the law that the libertarian says shouldn't be there. The libertarian is amorally in favor of liberty, regardless of where that liberty leads. If it leads to the destruction of the individual, if it leads to the destruction of the society, that's okay with the libertarian. The conservative says, no, we need to protect society. We need to protect a free society and a healthy society. And you know, maybe, maybe drug laws are, not, are on balance not good. I, I really don't have a firm position on that. For a long time, I was opposed strongly to the drug war. Um, I still tend to be opposed to it, but the older I get, the more conservative I get on social issues like that, because I don't think that a society of addicted drug users is going to remain a free society for very long. So I get, so I'll just finish and say, I get the impetus for wanting to, to keep drugs out and ban drugs because it makes it easier to have a moral and good people. So I think I'm finding, I, 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 and I find this with liberals and it's, I'm still trying to divine myself. That's why I say I'm trying to figure things out. I think a big thing for me personally is I, I hate that we are ever going to say that it's a choice between a government that mandates or bans something or we have it all over the place. Like, again, so drugs. Just because I would tell you I'm for freedom on that front which should never be construed that I think that a good society is one where there's people strung out in drugs all the time. I think that there's a way to solve that problem because it is a problem um, without, while still protecting someone's freedom to do it. And you're never gonna stamp out drugs 100%. Let's just be clear about that. There's still gonna be druggies, but are there solutions that don't include banning and incarceration that has its own slew of problems that come with it? Similarly, again, with abortion, you know, just because I am not for banning abortion should never be construed to suggest that I'm pro-abortion, that I think it's a good thing, or that I don't think it is a horrifying problem that society needs to address. Just when you ban it, you create more problems, different problems. You don't actually solve the problem. You think you sort of feel better about it because it's banned, but now you've created a new set of criminals. You've created, it's just, it. Well, it's like we were talking so about. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to say that 
that false choice for me where it's either either you're for banning it or mandating it or you think you know it should be everywhere and people should just be I'll, I'll, this is how I can put it for liberals I'm against single payer and of course because I'm against single payer I just think it's okay that people die not getting health care or again if I'm um, uh, not for illegalizing drugs I think people should drug out on the streets it's not that way I just think government and mandates and bans and I'm not saying necessarily government laws or action I'm saying mandates bans incarcerations I don't think those are solutions well I think it gets back to what we were talking about earlier with you can't just look at you know the costs or the benefits side and make a, a unilateral determination of whether a policy is good or not you know in the drug war you know you're exactly right that uh getting rid of drugs making drugs illegal has certain positive effects but it also has certain negative effects and i think that as a conservative i'm willing to 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 try and weigh them and not everybody is going to agree on the on the weighting not everybody is going to see it the exact same way but i think it's worth weighing in a case of a say a seatbelt law you know the seatbelt law i see the the, the benefits for the seatbelt law, it saves lives. When I look at the cost side of that equation, the cost side looks negligible, if not infinitesimally small. I'm and, not sure I agree with that. Well, just okay, because well, it's an avenue for the government to make money. So, which to me, that is a recipe for corruption and abuse of power. So, right there, you have a red flag to me. That, okay, okay, you're doing this to protect me. You're doing this to save my life. But let's be honest where that can lead. And that can lead to a corruption of power and authority. And all of a sudden, you know, they may start out saying, well, we're not doing it. We're not going to fine you. We're not going to make you pay money. We're just doing this because it's for your own good. And all of a sudden, it's now a government moneymaker. And, you know, that's, okay, so that's a downside to the, to, to the, to the law, honestly, I think that that negative, in my opinion, is far outweighed by the positive of protecting human life the way that a seatbelt law protects human life. I don't think that negative is in any way commensurate with, say, the downsides of the drug war or the downsides of banning abortion. Right, um, but, but you're, in that you kind of suggest that there's no other avenue to reach the same goal as a seatbelt law. It's only the law. That law is why this whatever happens. You can't have it if you don't have that law. And my argument is, how do you know? How, how, how do we know that we can't have, not, not have the drug war, the war on drugs, um, and we still, we, 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 instead of creating criminals and maybe, that we can't solve that problem. Again, I agree with you, it's a problem. I agree with it has to be solved. That there's not another avenue that doesn't make people criminals to actually legitimately lower the number of people who die in car accidents from not wearing the seatbelt. That legitimately lowers the number of people who have um, get addicted to drugs and have bad outcomes. That, that, that the bans or the mandates are really the only avenue to that success. Socially, for your life, all those things. I just don't see a band of criminals, you know, criminal seatbelt violators, the way I see criminal drug user, drug, you know, drug dealers. I'm not suggesting they're the same. I'm just... Right. So maybe it's not negligible. I mean, in my view, if it's not negligible, I think that the positives far outweigh the negatives on that. Um, I realize that it's not, you know, we're not dealing with, uh, with real numbers where you can just say, you know, 10 is greater than six. Um, you know, maybe for you, maybe for, for a libertarian who values complete and total autonomy and freedom, it's, it's not worth it to him. And, and I get that. And he should have a say in the political process. But 
Um, I think for a conservative, there's a different calculus that comes into play there. And for different, you know, different subjects are going to, you're going to get different answers. Like I said, you know, I think that a seatbelt law, you know, maybe I bristle a little bit at it, but I mean, ultimately I, I certainly wouldn't go and have a revolution over the seatbelt law. Um, well, neither would I. I don't. I think most rational people wouldn't. I could be wrong, but <laughs> I don't know. I've, I, I guess I if they do, they're some... not rational. <laughs> Guys, sorry to cut you off. I want to wrap it up because my union says we can only be on for an hour. Okay. Um, I didn't realize we had a union here, Steve. <laughs> we don't. It's interesting to me that we start off with the question of defining. And we can't help ourselves from debating who's right. And I think they're totally different questions. So I think we all think we're all right. And I have no problem having the debate. It's just interesting how we keep slipping from the one to the other. Are we defining? Or are we saying who's right? Um, since I know that I'm right. So to me, the always, it always boils down, boils down to who decides. And I know, Ed, obviously you think you're right. And Jody, obviously you think you're right because we're all thinking people. Anyway, I think this was a lot of fun. I want to invite everybody back next week, hoping to have more guests and more considered and well-argued opinions. And I just want to thank everybody for participating. Any last words, Ed, Jody? No, happy 4th of July coming up, so. Happy Independence Day. And Steve, why don't you give everybody a reminder as to how they can find the podcast if they're going yeah. to search for it? Great idea. iTunes or SoundCloud and just search EJS on Liberty Block. And we're hoping it'll be up on all the other podcast um, apps. We're not 100% sure why it's not. Anyway, have a wonderful day and thank you for being part of EJS on the Liberty Block.